Well, friends, 2021 is in the history books. Welcome to 2022. Well, almost. Turns out we still have a bit of business to deal with when it comes to last year. Hey, everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. I hope your new year is off to a great start. For many of us, the tree has sadly come down, or maybe not quite yet. The new calendar is up, and we are determined to make our New Year's resolutions stick this time. No, really, stop looking at me like that. (laughs) But this is also a great moment to cast an eye back over the year that's come and gone to see what the biggest stories were with regard to entertainment, the popular culture and the new wrinkles in technology that have influenced our lives and our families. So today we have our entire plugged in team. I'm joined by Emily Clark, Bob Hoos, Kristen Smith, Paul AC, and Jonathan McKee. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Well, before we dive into our conversation about the biggest stories of 2021, I want to give a shout out to one of our listeners, Carla in British Columbia. A few weeks ago, you may remember, we had a spontaneous eruption of puns, mostly, Paul, I think (laughs) from you. (laughs) Some of us thought they were quite good, Paul. Others, (laughs) Others among us were perhaps less impressed, Kristen. And we invited you, our Plugged In Show listeners, to share some of your puns with us and Carla took us up on that challenge, and she, right. she sent us this zinger. Quote, the key to creating a good guitar pun is not to fret about it too much. Ooh. Just a little strum thing to think about. Oh, I feel like we need her on our team. We need someone that can compete against Paul right. yeah. on a daily no, I, basis. I think Paul will just straight up steal that one if I know Paul as well. I, I will. I will. Thank you, Carla. Sure it'll show up in a review. I'm sure it's struck a chord with you, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, and just like that, we're off to the races. Uh, Carla also adds many thanks for your excellent podcast. It is greatly appreciated. Thank you, Carla, for listening and for your email to us. And let me add that for anyone listening to this show today, if there's something you want to comment on in our conversation, give us a shout out on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email like Carla did at team at the Well, my fellow plugged-inians, if I can call you that, (laughs) we have got so much to talk about in this special year-end edition of the Plugged In Show that I want to dive right in today. And we're going to talk about some of the biggest stories in popular culture and entertainment and technology in 2021. In some ways, Paul, it's a dream come true for you. This is Culture Countdown, only without a 30-second timer. I don't so, have to cheat anymore. Um, so just once a year, I'm going to let you... <laughs> is it cheat off, or fail? Off the leash. Oh. Sorry, oh. I had to. It's so early, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was... Uh, sets the tone for 2022. So nice. let's go, guys. <laughs> Happy New Year. Touche. So I have asked each of you to come up with one story related to entertainment or technology to talk about today. And why it's significant for families. It might be an event, a person, a trend, something that made the headlines in one way or another last year. And to get us started, Jonathan, I'm going to ask you to lead us off. What do you have for us? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, 2021 was filled with all kinds of press about, you know, 
Facebook and Instagram and is it bad for us? And mm-hmm. I actually, you know, there was a lot of mudslinging and a lot of stuff that went there. And there, there were some studies that I felt were kind of like pulled out of the woodworks that might have been irrelevant. But the bottom line is it was so good that the uh, attention was given to this because for years, some of us have been trying to draw attention to the fact that that screen time, you know, has needs to be at least noticed in a household. We shouldn't just let our kids just have free access to whatever they want, whenever they want, especially in their bedroom all night long. And what this has done is it's drawn attention to the fact that too much social media can affect our mental health. Um, I think the main thing that really popped up was, uh, you know, is Facebook and Instagram affecting young girls, uh, especially how they feel about their own bodies and self-image. Instagram Kids was this project that was about to come out and they actually paused it. Um, And one of the fascinating things to me was the head of Instagram, uh, Adam Masseri, defended the concept of Instagram for 10 to 12 year olds. And I thought it was interesting because he said this, he says, while we stand by the need to develop this experience, we've decided to pause this project. And Adam is a guy who's got kids himself And he was the one that years before, back in 2019, is the one who actually wanted to test Instagram. And we've talked about this before on the Plugged In Show. He was concerned that maybe Instagram, the likes part of Instagram, was creating a pressurized environment for people. So I love it that Adam was willing to pause this. Um, He kind of argued some of the mudslinging, and I think some of his arguments were right. But in short, what I like about him is he said, hey, you know what? We know kids are on these things already. You know, they're already online. We believe developing an age-appropriate experience is far better for parents. And even though I actually don't agree with him, I love the dialogue. I love the fact that now parents are thinking, should I just hand my kids these screens? Um, Should we maybe think about limits? Does this affect their mental health? And it's a good dialogue. You know, the thing that struck me most about that dialogue with Facebook and Instagram and and everything that came out this year was the fact that you're totally right, Jonathan. There were tons of studies that showed this link between uh, social media and the impact that it has on kids, on teens, even adults. But the fact that Facebook itself knew about it, I thought was really, really interesting. Its own internal studies showed that it knew that some of the things that they were pushing to kids and to families weren't really that healthy. And I... I am gratified, just as you are, Jonathan, that there's a dialogue going on. Um, But those revelations, it just reminds me that we need to be careful about what these companies are pushing toward us because they don't always have our best interest at heart. Well, they're not going to kill the cash cow. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think it's important to remember, like you're saying, like they're not coming into this thinking about the betterment of families. They're making money. They're a business. And not that they should be faulted for that, but as parents, it's our job to protect our kids right. and not assume that they're going to do that for us because they won't. Well, in the information that you're talking about, Paul, when it came out, it really reminded me of some of the revelations with cigarette companies in the 70s yeah, and absolutely. 80s. Yes. Because up until the 70s and 80s, it, smoking was just a thing, right? Yeah there was mounting evidence that there were real health consequences, that lung cancer was a direct result of smoking. That that it wasn't actually good for you. That it wasn't actually- Like the the ads would say. (laughs) You know, even if you looked as cool as the Marlboro Man, you know, it it wasn't a good thing. Mm -hmm. And the cigarette manufacturers denied it right up to the point 
that they could no longer deny the evidence. And I think that we're having a similar phenomena happen right now with social media because you know, we live in a culture where there's so much fragmentation and so many different opinions. And apart from the lone, you know, Facebook and Instagram officials crying out in the wilderness, pretty much everybody agrees that this is not good for kids. Yeah. And I think the thing we can talk about is what do all the experts agree on? And, and our listeners know, because we've talked about this on the show, that's the, the one study that was fascinating was when Dr. Gene Twenge and Jonathan Haidt brought all the researchers together and said, okay, what do we agree on? And they did agree, hey, let's watch how much social media our young girls are soaking in because that's the one thing that we have noticed with screen time. Social media affects young girls. Let's limit that to one or two hours a day. That's the one thing everybody agrees on. Yeah, I think that's going to be even more important as Facebook steps into becoming meta fully and as we yeah. go into all this virtual reality. I think that's exactly right. And Kristen, since you are already talking, yeah, I am going to pick on you next. What do you have for us? Okay, so I wanted to talk about the Friends reunion okay. um, that aired back. Well, <laughs> it was on HBO Max uh, in late May. There were over 5.3 million people that watched it. That's a lot of people, if you didn't know. Um, and it was really just a time for them to sit down and talk about the cast, uh, about their experiences on the show. And, of course, they included, like, guest stars that came on and then they had clips from the show and they all just kind of talked about it but it was really interesting to watch the way that people from all over the world reacted to the show and a lot mm. of people had a lot of good things to say about it now I'm not promoting the content on the show here but the way that people chimed in from all over the world that this was a show that they could tune into to watch that helped them get through a tough time and they talked a lot about the reason why is because they felt connected to the cast. And this is a show that has lasted for so long and people still feel such a deep connection when they turn it on. So I thought that was really interesting just to sit and get to watch how it affected people all over the world. It is a fascinating thing, you know, because you, you talk about these sitcoms, Friends, you have these, these, and it seems primarily to be a sitcom phenomenon. You yeah. don't have this, this connection with dramas or adventure shows or anything. These, these sitcoms draw people in in a way where they become almost family. Mm -hmm. um, it's a fascinating thing. I, I just saw Being the Ricardos, which is on Amazon Prime right now, um, and it talks a little bit about that phenomenon itself because it, it talks about... Lucy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I love Lucy and how this family became such a critical part for so many families who watched, including the family that actually did it. Well, there are so many angles on this that I think we could... We could probably just talk for an hour about the cultural significance of <laughs> friends. Kristen would love it. And Kristen, I totally would. would enjoy it. I want to say a couple of things. I think the streaming technology that we have now, I think, has really enabled friends to continue to have an ongoing yep. cultural influence. Right. Um, the other thing I would say, Jennifer Aniston said something really interesting, and then I'm going to bring this segment in for a close. She said, we couldn't make friends today because it would just be a bunch of people sitting around in a coffee shop yep. looking at their phones. And I think that friends was almost the last cultural shared moment where we got to see people in relationship, not mediated by technology. And so I think there's a huge nostalgia for 
wow, look at what it looks like to have real relationships. No, I agree with that because um, I'm not saying that there weren't a couple of shows immediately after Friends that also gave us those relationships. But once technology really took over, like most of the TV shows that I watch for Plugged In, like I can't find something that has that same impact on me because of the technology angle. It's like they keep trying. They keep coming out with like new sitcoms. There's probably like 10 new ones, you know, every month. None of them can hold a candle to Friends and Parks and Rec and The Office. Of course, with with streaming, you can go back and watch I Love Lucy. So that's right. Exactly. That's right. (laughs) Problem solved. And, you know, Bob, I think that's a great segue to uh, ask what you have for us. Yes. Well, I want to talk about the uh, actually the biggest non-story of last year. Oh, I like it. Um, Mystery. It's it's something that sort of slipped up on us and we haven't been paying attention to, and that is the 5G revolution. Okay. Now, you may say, what? What? Why? Because we we think of 5G as something that's on our phone. Oh, yeah, we got the 5G on that new phone. Yeah, we go. Cool. Uh, And and that it's going to help us stream things faster or whatever. But the fact is... That it is something that is a is going to transform everything, even if we don't yep. realize it. Yep. Um, each of the G's, generations, by the way, is the G. Each of the G's had an impact on your phone or your mobile device. The three data-driven services were easier with the three. Uh, the 4G helped us in streaming music and videos. Five... Five is going to sort of open the door to all these new cutting-edge technologies, Um, things like virtual reality or augmented reality, Um, things that we've already been sort of starting. 5G sort of throws it into full gear. And And actually, you know, we were talking about Facebook and Meta. That's the sort of stuff that is going to help Facebook become what they want to be, Meta. Mm -hmm. Think about it like this. It's sort of the equivalent of having always worked on an electric typewriter, and then suddenly you start working on a computer. Yeah. That's the kind of jump that it's going to, and we don't even realize that it's going to be there. Or those screens like in Minority Report where Tom Cruise does that thing yeah. and moves yeah, well, all the images I mean, around. It, it's going to impact business. It's going to impact the way we play because it'll boost games with virtual reality and all the other stuff. It's going to impact the way we receive education and uh, healthcare, it's going to be the next generation of robotics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. It's going to make your car smarter than you think that your car should be. Mm. <laughs> I watched this video one time about that just because I, I'm super interested in it as well because my husband talks about it all the time. And it was just this video and about how a car locked itself and drove and the person couldn't get out. And it was like the worst case scenario type video. Mm-hmm. Of course, I watched it. And <laughs> yeah, that was it, a movie in the 80s called Christine. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's really creepy. And to your point, I mean, there's a lot of privacy concerns with 5G. And that's what right. a lot of people have been talking about, like the ability to track location so precisely right. and to watch what people are doing. Well, and that's another thing. The advent of 5G essentially cuts our tether. And that's why right. it's it's a real mm. boon. It's a plus. It's something you go, ooh, wow, that's cool. On the other hand, it has some issues. Right. And when I say cuts our tether, I mean you don't have to be – up until this point, our mobile devices, we had to be sort of connected to some sort of fiber optics connection or cable or something, something plugged in mm-hmm. in our house. With 5G, you don't. You can be anywhere at any time in any place and have this incredible – fast service and streaming device 
And so that's one of the things that parents should be aware of. Oh, yeah. Mm. Not, not only are these technologies going to change our world, but they're going to also allow your kids to be invested in this world anywhere, yeah. at any place. All they have to have is, like Jonathan often talks about, is that screen in their pocket. Well, and I think it's safe to say that all of the trends that we talk about with regard to screen time usage, this is like an accelerant, right? Right. I mean, it makes it all better, faster, more. And so the battle or the challenge that we face as parents in this area, I think is only going to get more intense. Right. So thanks, it's Bob. Gonna, well, and one last thing, it's going to yeah. become the lifeblood of our global economy, too. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we're not just talking about movies. Yeah. Right. We're talking about everything. Everything. Hmm. Wow. That's sobering. Dun, dun, dun. Emily? <laughs> <laughs> um, so my story is not related to any of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to talk about the uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle um, interview that they did with Oprah. Okay. And, you know, I could sit here and I could go into, like, I will go into, like, a couple of the things that came up. Um, the biggest thing is, you know, they stepped down from their duties um, as part of the royal family. And this interview, I think, just really opened up, like, why they did, made these choices and stuff. Um, but the things I really want to highlight, two things that came up, one of them didn't even, so this is a two-hour interview. One of these points didn't even come up in the interview, like they cut it. But if you go to Oprah Daily, you can find it. Um, <laughs> you know, they talked about the difference between, you know, privacy and intrusion because, you know, they've, Harry and Meghan have emphasized their desire to have privacy. Yeah. Um, but then they did this tell-all interview that, you know, talked about the royal family, talked about their relationships with people in the royal family, talked about, you know, um, Meghan had suicidal ideation um, that she went through and how she sought help for that. It talked about the racial issues surrounding their son when he was born and why he doesn't have an HRH, that's his royal highness uh, title. And, you know, so they talked about all these things and they're like, well, and the public was like, well, how can you say you want to be private, but then do that? And it's like, well, the difference is that it's they do want to be private in that they don't want to be intruded upon. They don't want people hiding in the bushes, taking pictures of their kids. They don't want helicopters flying over their houses and stuff. I, I get, hate it when that I happens. get tired of that. Too. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, I, and, you know, I wrote a blog post about how we treat celebrities with and I referenced, you know, the Ben Affleck, Jennifer Lopez relationship and, you know, how we tend to look at celebrities because they're public figures. We tend to look at them like they're not humans. We dehumanize them and the tabloids especially dehumanize humanize them and you know I think the thing with uh, Megan and Harry it really just kind of opened that conversation about like how much are we going to let tabloids tell us about celebrities and how much are we going to sit there and gossip about their lives because of it but I will say to your point that I think if you as an individual crave privacy but you're willing to air out everybody else's stuff you better be careful about the backlash that comes on you. Yeah. And I realize that they have a certain platform, and of course there's a level of defending oneself in all of this. I understand that. But if you really do value privacy above all else, you need to weigh out your options before you go totally public with stuff. And I think, I mean, even as parents, you need to worry about that on social media. I know a ton of parents that don't even post pictures of their kids. Other kids' faces yes. are blurred out because yeah. there's a level of privacy there that they don't want intruded upon. Well, and I think that we have to think about how these stories impact our kids as well. Yes. And 
uh, we know that our plugged in show audience is primarily American. I know that we have some people in other countries that listen. Obviously, we don't have a monarchy here. We don't have royalty, but we're we're fascinated with it. And as I watched this story unfold, it really felt to me like the celebrity story on steroids, right? Mm -hmm. And so the message that our kids internalize is it's good to be famous because you get to be on TV, you get yeah. to be on magazine covers, you get to have social media presence. And I think it exactly. it reinforces that idea, even as they're sort of trying to give a cautionary message that being a celebrity is a good thing. Well, and you know, I think it's important to also just note the difference between interest in a celebrity and obsession absolutely with That's a, a celebrity point. because yeah. i think that I, there are grown adults who are still obsessing over this story who hate Meghan markle who hate prince harry who hate kate middleton who hate prince william for all of these things that came out in the interview and it's like you don't even know them dude yeah that's exactly right well paul why don't you bring our 2021 conversation in for a landing what do you have for us I wanted to talk about movies. Oh, that's sweet. Honestly, movies. I thought Paul had already gone. <laughs> I'm so serious. It's a <laughs> New Year's resolution so is sorry, to be Paul. kinder to Paul. <laughs> I forgot Paul was and even in the room. And that brings us to the end of our time. <laughs> I'm sorry, Paul. Sorry, Paul. Who's Go Paul? Ahead. Movies. Movies, movies, Kristen. That thing we review. Those things. That, those things yeah. that we review. Yeah, so we went to a place of slightly more normalcy in 2021 right. when it came to movies. Yeah. We all mm. know that 2020 was pretty much washed out. 2021, the movie because theaters started, exactly. 2021, the movie theaters started opening. There were some big movies that played there. Um, and as a matter of fact, 11 movies this year have made more than $100 million. Two of them have made more than 200 That's million. almost as much as we pay you to go review Almost, them. Yeah. almost, exactly, not quite. Exactly. But... It's interesting because 2019, the first, you know, the last non-COVID year that we had, 29 movies made over $100 million. So we're not back to normal yet. So we're not back to normal yet. And, and we wonder whether it'll ever get back to normal. Because, number one, a lot of people are still very cautious about going to theaters during this time of COVID because we know that it's still going on. Uh, only 47% of people are comfortable going to movie theaters, according to a survey by Morning consult, but there's another factor in play, and it gets back to streaming. So many people have gotten so used to streaming everything um, that it becomes less likely that people are actually going to go to movie theaters. And here's another interesting point. The big casualty in terms of what people will go see in terms of theater releases, family movies. Oh. A lot of family movies are now being released directly to streaming services. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a funny topic, and it's dear to many of our hearts sitting around this table because we are movie fans, and we like this, and we've had these conversations. I remember in 2020, I was talking about, oh, I miss going to my favorite seat in the theater and having a big bucket of popcorn and a big soda and everything because it's that whole experience. But I got to tell you, a little confession here. I think 2020 might have ruined me a little bit because yep. we're getting so used to, oh, okay, so Dune's releasing on uh, HBO Max. And so we I don't know really how much to you to love theater. Dune. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, that way I can actually sleep at home instead of in the theater. But the thing oh, is, oh, it was amazing. Oh. But it's amazing because for some of us, I mean, we're sitting there thinking, okay, I could pause it. I can go to the fridge mid-movie. And I think we've almost got used to it. I'm the biggest theater fan there is. And there's times where, honestly, I'm like, eh, 
maybe I'll just watch it at home. Yeah. So I'm wondering if I'm ruined. Well, to get to your point, there was actually a poll done by the Harris Group that suggested that 65% of people would prefer to watch sci-fi movies at home. Um, mm. That's a fascinating thing for me because, you know, sci-fi movies, they tend to be big. Yeah. They need a big screen, right? But a lot of people are saying they would much rather just have access to the popcorn in the bathroom at home. But I got to tell you, you know, you mentioned the 47% of people that are going back to theaters and that sort of thing. It's that 47% that are gonna drive keeping theaters open and getting people back in, in my opinion. Because in my opinion, uh, there is no experience that's quite like getting into the theaters. Um, there's something about sitting in a theater seat, even if it's a theater that isn't quite full, you know, which has been the case mm -hmm. in, most, in most cases uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the last year. It's, it, there's a specialness about that. And I watched some of the, because we're reviewing movies all the time, and we've been getting, over last year, we got screeners, and we were watching them at home a lot. I watched them on my phone. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then there are other cases where I went to live screenings in the course of 2021, and there was a marked difference yeah. in my experience there just as a reviewer. There was a marked difference in how I absorbed and how I connected with that movie, and as just a viewer, I can attest to the fact that I, there is no comparison for me. No, I agree with you, Bob. I'm part of the 47%. I've been back in theaters. It sounds and... like a sci-fi movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it, though, because there's... There's so many things that happen in a movie theater that you will not get at home. Yes, you can pause it. You can wear your pajamas. You can save go money. to the bathroom. You can save money. You can do all these things, but you're missing out on the... I think there's a community aspect to going to movies. I think that when you're sitting in the theater about to watch the next Star Wars film and every seat is filled, you're going to feel more emotion because there's going to yeah. be like a collective draw of breath at every suspenseful moment, every Every time, you know, the cavalry comes in and that 11th hour moment, you know, everybody's cheering, including you. You know, it's just there are things that happen, I think, in a movie theater that you don't get at home. No, I think that's exactly right. And I share those sentiments as a movie lover. I will also say, just to speak to Kristen's comment a minute ago, I took my son to see a movie in Denver a couple weeks ago and we bought tickets online ahead of time. Mm-hmm. It was $38 yep. for two tickets to the movie. We got popcorn and drinks. It was close to $100 yep. for two people to go to the movie. That's a lot of popcorn. And that's, <laughs> and, and it's a lot of popcorn. And, and so I think the economics come into play. And I think in terms of family and in terms of what we're doing here at Plugged In, um, COVID was a game changer. It was a torpedo to the status quo of how we consume entertainment. I don't know that we're ever going to go back to the way it was before, but what it has meant for us is before COVID, we covered most of the stuff that was in the theaters and we might occasionally pick up a really super high profile Netflix or Amazon Prime movie, but that was not very common. Now it's almost flipped. And mm -hmm. I think we're going to continue to see a proliferation of streaming services in competition with movies. And on any given week, we're going to be making the decision, what do we think families most need to know about? And families too, all of a sudden you've got, you know, cable and you've got 17 different streaming services and you have to figure out what to get. It's, it's all on 5G. All on 5G. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's ex and hopefully children aren't watching in their rooms at night to tie back into Jonathan's story. But it's extraordinarily complex. But we are committed at Plugged In to doing our best to really sort through 
what are the things that are happening out there in the movie realm that we think you need to know about? And as things continue to expand and change or maybe, you know, lurch back toward the status quo in some ways, we will be there each week giving you the reviews you need to make the best decision possible for your family. Well, thanks guys for a great conversation about the year that was 2021. And we want to say thank you to everyone listening for spending some time with us at the Plugged In Show today. What do you think the biggest pop culture or technology story of 2021 was? What affected your family the most in these areas? Let us know on Facebook or Instagram, or shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. We would love to hear from you. And just as we did with Carla's awesome guitar pun at the top of the show, we might just share your thoughts in a future episode of The Plugged In Show. Well, as we plunge into another year of covering entertainment technology stories that influence your family, we would also like to say thank you to you too for joining us each week. So today, for a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of Paul Acey's book, Burning Bush 2.0, How Pop Culture Replaced the Prophet. You'll find a link to order that book in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on the plugged in blog entry for our conversation. Or if you prefer, give us a call at 800-A-FAMILY. Well, thanks so much for taking some time to join us today for our inaugural 2022 conversation, which for those scoring at home is our 111th episode of the Plugged In Show. So Mm -hmm. if you're just getting started with us, you can go back and, and listen to those first 110 episodes as well. And we look forward to connecting with you again next week on another episode, 112, of The Plugged In Show. Mm-hmm.